0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Today is Monday, more specifically January the 18th, and we've got another fresh episode of Monday Madness for you. Beautiful day at the office. Well, not that I have any windows. In fact, I think it might be snowing out there, but I'm just feeling good. We are now halfway through this month, and so far, I feel the start of this year has been rather kind to me, and I hope it's been just as nice, if not better for you. But, I know you didn't come here for the absolutely infectious positivity, or perhaps you did, but your primary focus was definitely on the statistics and news that keep us up to date and informed, so let's dive right into the thick of it. Kicking it off with WTI prices, we are looking at a low to mid $52 range, which is exactly at $52.26 as I was writing this episode's script. Now, this is the last episode of Monday Madness under the administration of President Trump. Next time you hear from me, We will have a new president, and let me tell you, he's got big plans and wants to hit the ground running. I imagine the pricing of administration change will be very slight at first. I mean, I'm talking three quarters of a dollar in response max or little change at all. Biden's first focus will be addressing COVID, stimulating the economy, and addressing immigration issues. Assuming all of these orders work their way successfully through the House and Senate, I imagine his next order of business will be climate or federal land-related, both of which will have implications for EMP operators and ultimately total domestic production. All in all, I don't quite see oil prices going down from a fundamentals perspective, and I would be quite surprised if world markets responded to a situation like this one I described in a negative way. So let's just keep chugging along on those inventories and continue to rebalance supply and demand, but hey, I'm getting ahead of myself. You know we've got to talk about that rig count first. Another stellar week for the rig count as the U.S. is up 13 all across the board. That means we haven't seen a decrease since November 20th when there was a measly two-rig decrease. That's not to say that there haven't been decreases basin by basin, but overall, U.S. is doing pretty well since then. In that time, the U.S. has seen an addition of 63 additional rigs. Not bad for the end of Q4 and the start of a new year. If we break down last week's report basin by basin, who would you guess is the biggest winner? Well, it comes as no surprise that it was the Permian, which was up 10, but we also saw small rig gains in the DJ. Two rigs up from 5 to 7, which is a 40% increase. I particularly love to see this as Rare Petro is based out of Colorado, and we do a whole lot more than just news, so we are excited to get our hands dirty if this trend of increased activity is continue. While we are still down 423 rigs on the year, that difference should close if we continue to add more rigs, combined with the fact that the count absolutely plummeted in the first half of 2020. While it is nice to see the rig count near a net positive territory for a year-on-year difference, we have to be extremely careful not to repeat the errors of our past. Maximum production regardless of the cost is no longer a good metric, and I feel most companies learn that lesson. A better metric to observe would definitely be domestic inventory tallies, and speak of the devil we are finally jumping into that next. Like I'd mentioned, inventory reports are a much better way at predicting price trends, and I feel like these reports explain why prices are hovering in the low 50s for the time being. The API released a report on the 12th of last week and reported a 5.8 million barrel drawdown. Of course, the EIA releases theirs a day later and reported a 3.2 million barrel drawdown. Both results beat initial expectations, and I gotta say, 2021 has yet to disappoint from its statistical perspective. I hope this drawdown can be attributed to economies slowly recovering from the effects of COVID. Even with these new strains, I feel a lot of organizations are slowly realizing that this can't be done forever, and it really feels like we're starting to transition into that new normal. Regardless, I'm very pleased with these numbers, and as always, I hope to come back next Monday with another great stat report, so be sure to subscribe so you can see just how this landscape of energy continues to change and evolve. Now, it is high time that we move on to our weekly stories, and first things first, just a quick little update on Conoco and Concho, or I suppose the Concho merger that we addressed near the end of last year. The deal is finally finished as of January the 15th, and Phillips CEO said that the company expects to deliver on three key mandates. Providing affordable energy to the world, generating superior returns on and of capital, and demonstrating ESG leadership. Each share of Concho common stock was transformed into 1.46 shares of ConocoPhillips stock. If we hear any other updates regarding this deal or big internal changes for Conoco, we will be sure to update you in a following episode of Monday Madness, so again, be sure to subscribe. Next up, something that I thought would draw larger headlines. I've seen chirps about it here and there, but ExxonMobil stock tanked on the announcement of an SEC investigation. Now, the SEC is an active organization, and it is their job to look at any possible misevaluation of any asset, whether that be simply a stock value or land in the Permian Basin like this case, so that doesn't seem too strange that they're investigating, right? Well, no it doesn't, but it is rather concerning that these investigations are actually a result of a whistleblower report filed by Exxon employees. The report claimed that the company was overinflating the value of a key Permian asset and pushing drilling plans that were far too optimistic. At least one of the employees who was bringing this report to the SEC had been fired last year when whispers of internal valuation disagreements began to circulate. Both the SEC and Exxon have declined to make public comment on the issue at present, or terminations possibly surrounding it. In March of 2019, Exxon CEO Darren Woods unveiled his plan to increase oil and gas production in the Permian. By 1 million barrels a day by as early as 2024, this would have amounted to roughly 25% of Exxon's overall production before COVID hit. Well, of course, COVID did hit and Exxon struggled, finally announcing budget cuts in November and pulling back on aggressive development previously planned. The whistleblower complaint reads, quote, No one I knew in the organization thought it was possible. The pressure to deliver on Wood's promise to the markets permeated the organization. End quote. When employees delivered estimates that were far lower than what the organization had expected, they were encouraged to report an optimistic learning curve that would decrease the amount of time it would take to drill each well. Employees were, uh, what's the industry jargon? Oh yeah, pissed at management's call to push these numbers that they viewed as entirely unrealistic. One employee even went as far as submitting the revised estimates in a file named, This is a Lie. Now, let me set this straight, I am no CEO or even a manager by any definition of those words, but when your team of engineers and bookkeepers are this vehemently against your assumptions, perhaps you should listen, regardless of what unrealistic expectations investors and board members have. When the issue first arose back in the end of 2020, Exxon simply said that evaluation disagreements are common and drilling efficiency continues to grow every month. Now, this is a scary story to me. I'm sure there was huge pressure on every operator through 2020 as investors demanded improved returns or even diminished losses at the very least as the year progressed and got worse and worse. Exxon was one of the biggest losers thanks to the sheer magnitude of their operation, but if the SEC feels these reports are in fact inaccurate, then they are surely going to be hanged in front of the rest of the industry, so to speak. If Exxon gets fined for something like this, I'm sure other companies may pull back on estimates of value because everybody felt the mounting pressures as 2020 as we all trudged forward. Now, that story was kind of a bummer, so I'd like to follow it up with something a little more hopeful. I'm sure everyone listening to this episode is pretty familiar with the Keystone XL pipeline and the loads of controversy that has surrounded it during the entire process of inception to construction. While Trump did make it one of his priorities to allow the pipeline to operate, rumor has it that Biden plans to revoke its license. TC Energy is the Canadian company responsible for the pipeline, and it seems as if they want to see this project through at any cost, which makes sense, as it will eventually cost $8 billion, and it is hard to return on investment when the president of the country you deliver to shuts the whole thing down. Now, the company has been aware of this possibility for some time, and has been developing some pledges that it hopes might gain the favor of Biden. Uh, I think my manager Scott put it best when he said, it's sort of a Hail Mary play from the project. The company has reported that it plans to pledge to make use of solar and wind power to operate the pipeline, as well as battery energy storage to make it fully reliant on renewable energy and therefore emission-free. In case that wasn't enticing enough, the company also said it would offer to hire a union workforce and eventually eliminate all emissions associated with its operation by 2030. Now, if Biden agrees, Canada will definitely benefit from this as limited pipeline capacity has suppressed Canadian oil prices well before the pandemic hit. They have plenty of hydrocarbons, but limited access to markets where they can offload it. This leaves them with an oversupply of oil that they can't really do anything with, no matter what part of the world might demand that energy. Still, there's lots to unpack with this plan. Firstly, I love the idea of a pipeline being fully reliant on renewables. Let me follow that up and say that I am also terrified of the idea of a pipeline being fully reliant on renewables. Best case scenario, it goes off without a hitch. We learn what is possible and do our best to implement it in other technologies and really all parts of the petroleum industry that might be able to make use of it. In concept, it is a wonderful marriage of two wildly different energy sources. Worst case scenario, intermittency and limited technical capacity to deliver cripples the pipeline as it becomes a worrisome and unreliable piece of infrastructure that is partially powered through intermittent segments. That would be absolutely devastating for the pipeline, and I might even go as far to say the final nail in the coffin for the project. I think their heads are in the right place, but I think it would be in their best interest to take it in baby steps. I like their plan to complete this all by 2030. I'm not sure if that expands to all operations associated with or just the pipeline, but I really do think 10 years hopefully allows enough time to roll through this change and successfully adopt the plan. Suppose we will just have to wait and see how this plays out, And hopefully we don't have to wait too long because who knows? We might even get a definite answer of no within the next few days. So stay tuned. Please subscribe to the podcast. You heard how many things we updated on, the newest news, some of the best news. We want you to be in the know. And not only that, we want you to grow. We've got plenty of other podcasts, including periodicals on the website, both written and covered in podcast form. So you have no opportunity not to learn. We have made the consumption as easy for you as possible. So go ahead give the podcast a follow. You don't have to listen, but at least it gives you the option to learn should you choose. So thanks again for tuning in. And until we see you next time, take care, everybody.